This is Live Limitless, episode number eight. Welcome to the Live Limitless podcast, where we interview normal, everyday people who decided to push their limits and live a much more limitless and remarkable life. I am your host, Matthew G. Bailey, international man of curiosity, a writer, lifestyle entrepreneur, and connoisseur of world travel. When the interview's over, please take a moment to visit livelimitless.net. Say hello, I'd love to hear from you. You can also sign up for the newsletter or just look at the information on all the past interviews. All right, now that the intro's over, let's do this. All right, welcome everyone to Live Limitless number eight with John Bardos from jetsetcitizen.com. John actually lives in the same same city as me and I met him this one time when I was, um, I bought a, a ticket for a fundraiser from a lady named Kath Duncan and I won some coaching from John. And then I also just happened to meet him randomly through some social media meetings as well and just got to know him. And it was it was cool to have someone that was into the same stuff from the same city because until then, really, I had only known people from the U.S. or from all over the world and only spoke to them over email. So it was nice to have someone to speak to in person. And um, John, you pretty much were living abroad since 97, right, in, in Japan. And I was just wondering, just to get a, a background on yourself, like how did that how did that come about and what were you doing before that? Um, well, before Japan, it was mostly university. I, I was in university for a long time. I was uh, I did I did two degrees. I did one in business and one in economics. And so I really loved university. So I stayed there for so I wanted to be in school for as long as I could. I just loved the atmosphere. They had a gym there. I could work out every day, and I loved being around ideas. And it's just such an exciting place to be. If if I could survive as a university student forever, I think I would have done that. But in my days of university, I also worked on a few different startups. I had a different startup projects that, that um, all eventually failed. But I had one big one that I was working on, and we actually were, were relatively successful for a while. But we had too much debt, and we kind of succumbed to, that, succumbed to that debt in the end and kind of had to shut down the company. So at that point, it was just that I wanted to do something big, and I wanted to change, and I wanted to reset my life. And, and the, the best way to do that, I thought, was to leave the country. So I, I bought a, a, a ticket to Japan for one week later, and I packed up all the critical stuff in my life, like my bicycle and my guitar, and I, I, um, I went to Japan basically with no job and no visa and very little money, and, and I just I thought I was going to be there for six months or so, but it ended up being 13 years after it was all done. That's crazy how, how things change like that. So what made you choose Japan? In the beginning. Um, actually, in, in university, I studied business in university. So um, Japan was at the top of the world in the, in the 80s. They were the, the Japanese business pr- um, practices and Japanese corporations were buying real estate in the U.S. So in, in the business world, Japan was the model of, of how you should run companies. So I was very fascinated with Japanese business culture. And so, like, for me, as for, as in terms of which countries to go to, Korea was a little bit on my radar, but Japan was by far the, the my first choice. And then uh, in Japan, you started a, an English school, correct? Yes. 
so like I, I went there without a job and so um what everyone does when they arrive I worked in some bars part-time under the table and and then I started teaching English and I and I I found a school to sponsor me a few months later so I I was able to get a visa to actually work there and I I worked there for like a year and a half or so and I was teaching and like and then I saw like the people around me everyone says like yes I'm going to be leaving in a year and and I'll and and then I'll go back to my home country, I'll do this, I'll do that. But almost all these people, they start, it's a, such a cushy life that they start it and they never end. There are people that have been teaching there for 10 or 20 years and basically they just get on the same path and they never change. Just because it's so comfortable, you're in a foreign country, it's interesting, you're always meeting new people. It's You just get in, you get stuck in a way of life. And, I, and like before I, I allowed myself to do that, I said, oh, either I'm going to stop this or I'm going to start a school. It's kind of foolish to be working for someone else where I can be doing this on my own. Yeah. So so about a year and a half into being in Japan, I started a school, yes. It amazes me that you were able to work in a, a bar with, with English only, or did you speak Japanese? Actually, that that's the attraction, is that there are so many bars that are aimed at Japanese people that want to practice English. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's, there's foreigners can find lots of work opportunities there. There's cafes and bars that are hiring foreigners all the time. That's interesting, yeah, and then and then eventually, ten was it ten or twelve years later, you 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 sold that business and wanted to become more nomadic. Yeah, so like, so basically the story is like we started like my wife and I started this the school together, and the first maybe four or five years we basically built it from nothing. We invested every penny we had into the, into the school. And if we didn't make it, we would have been in trouble. We would have had no money and we would have had to get jobs again and start all over. But it, it like it worked out when you put everything into it, it kind of everything started working out really quickly. And so like the first month we were profitable already. And then it just the business kept growing and growing and growing. So we were able to add staff and we, we had like we developed online games to teach children English. We had an online computer system and blah, blah, blah. And so um, life was good for the first four or five years. It was always exciting and challenging. We were always doing new stuff. Yeah. And like we bought a house, we bought cars, and we bought everything we wanted. We were traveling a lot. And like so life was really good and cushy. But then it got to a point where we started stagnating a little bit. And like just saying, well, like, is this it? Like there's not, nothing else. Like we got everything we want. We have a business that's going. We have lots of vacation time, but we're just going through the motions every day. And so it, we did that for for many years. And like, um, just saying, like, we got to stop this. We got to do something different. And then, but you have those golden handcuffs that kind of tie you to the job. And you're making good money, and we're doing what we want. We have lots of free time. We can travel, but like, we're not passionate about what we're doing anymore because it wasn't challenging us. It wasn't growing. So basically, like, um, I started a blog, and I I said, okay, and. I made a public declaration that in one year's time we're going to sell everything and 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 live nomadically basically we're going to give up our house our business and everything in Japan and just change careers and and, and leave for a new country and we did that and we we beat our beat that time deadline by a couple of months That's awesome so so and so how did you well, I guess you you kind of mentioned there but what were some of like the steps you took to to make that big change and to live that nomadic life 
Yeah. Well, like um, in our business, like we worked a lot of hours for a lot a lot of years, so we had money. Um, we saved money for a long time, so it's not it's money wasn't something that we we're it was so critical for us to get. So like um, basically we just like we just lived cheap and worked lots lots of hours for more than a decade, so we had the money part down. I think that's where most people get stuck. But if you if you just keep your expenses down, I think it's not so hard to do anything you want. But basically, the biggest thing for for us was just having that public commitment. It wasn't until I made that commitment. We talked about leaving for years, but like you can say, yeah, we're going to leave the country and we're going to, yeah, I'm going to get a new career. That's easy to say, right? But actually put the steps in motion is, is pretty difficult because it's it's a drastic life change. So um, what we ended up doing is is um, just like as soon as I made that public declaration, then I like put the school up for sale. We started kind of downsizing our stuff and, and everything was very clear because we knew, okay, by this date, I think it was March 2010, I believe was the date. By March 2010, we were going to be out of Japan. And so everything we did was just to get to that point. So it was very clear what we had to do. The action steps were not complicated if you make that commitment. Yeah, you had the, the, the big goal in mind and follow through with it. What are, you, um, what are you doing now? I know you have Jet Set Citizen and Unconference for Social Good and... Uh, teaching English overseas, right? Like the course? I'm not teaching English overseas. I have some teaching websites that, that provide um, materials for English oh, yeah. teachers. And um, basically, like, um, Jet Set Citizen is kind of like a part-time project for me now. And, and I'm trying to do more social good kind of work now. We're organizing the third unconference for social good will be in Calgary in a few more weeks. So that's that's one project I'm working on. Um and I'm, I'm trying to teach, I have like these, uh, these online teaching resources that I had developed for my school before. And I'm trying to, to um, convert everything into kind of free resources to teach English to the developing world. I think that's one of the, the um, most critical interventions we can have for children in impoverished countries is actually give them literacy skills in the global business language. If they can understand English and connect with tourists and kind of maybe do online outsourced work or things. I think it could have drastic impacts on their, on their um, future economic situation. So basically I want, I want to see if it's possible just to survive. We don't like my, my wife and I've cut our living expenses to a quarter of what they were in the past. So we don't need much money to survive anymore. So working is not such a critical thing for us. So we're, we're trying to focus on, on profit and volunteer, on non not-for-profit and volunteer projects now. And another one is the Unconference for Social Good, which is trying to get people together to talk about what we can do to make the world a better place, basically. Yeah, so with the uh, Unconference for Social Good, is that do people are people coming to Calgary from, from all over the place, or is it mainly for local? No, it's for local people, just like yeah. local group. Like I had, a, this is the second one in Calgary, and I had one in Thailand earlier in the year. So like my goal with this is just, I think, bringing intelligent people into a room to discuss topics is a very unique thing for many people. Most people don't talk about serious issues so much. Most like if amongst your friends or your coworkers and stuff, people just want to have fun and relax. But it's it's a fairly intense day because we have like um, three major sessions where people interact and talk about like serious topics. Yeah. And so just just getting people talking about those things, I think it kind of gets the ball rolling. And, and like I know in Thailand, it connected many nonprofit organizations with with traveling volunteers, and many projects came out of it. So I'm just hoping that 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 kind of um, momentum will keep going as more of these kind of happen in different cities. 
So it's it's their their local events just to connect people around doing social good. We need we need more people that are thinking about these issues. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I def- there seems to be a little bit of a movement as well with like a social entrepreneurship, right? Right. Yeah, and and like there's like social entrepreneurship, local food movement, collaborative consumption, things like couch surfing or Airbnb. There's a lot of great initiatives going on, but it's still the fringe, right? Yeah. The mass the mass markets that are that are in their um their uh, suburban communities and they drive to work and and they hate their job every day. Those people are still like ninety five percent of the population, and I'm hoping that slowly we're going to have this global awakening where people start being more conscious of, of more meaningful living. And so I'm hoping this, these unconferences for social good will be one part of that conversation. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'd love to, to come out. You said it's in two weeks? Yeah, um, three weeks, June 22nd. Weeks, you, yeah. should, you, you should come out, yeah. Yeah, that'd be June, great. June 22nd. So is this like, I guess, one of the reasons why you've kind of chosen to live a unconventional life? Um, well, like for me, leaving from Calgary to to Japan was a major eye opener because many of the cultural assumptions that I had and I and I never questioned were completely thrown out of the air because like Japan is there's such a history and tradition in Japan yeah. that when you see like everything is different from like for example the how they use toilets and how they take baths and how they wash dishes and and the size of the roads and and the side of the road they drive on and and like the way city hall works and the way you pay taxes everything is completely different and so then it made me start thinking like well maybe all my cultural assumptions are were incorrect right it's just a it's just the social fabrication basically so it it really helped me to question everything in my life and i started realizing well maybe that kind of um all the stuff that I thought, like you have to get a jo- go to university and get a job and save lots of money and buy a big house and buy fancy cars and then have money to retire and then you can enjoy your life. All those kind of assumptions that most of us have are completely false assumptions, right? We don't need to do that kind of stuff. What if, what if we don't go to university? What if we don't work in a company we don't like? What if we don't buy a house? What if we don't buy a car? What if we don't want to live in our home city for the next 40 years, right? What happens if we, if we don't want to start a business that brings more plastic junk in the world, right? What happens if we want to work on, on social initiatives that actually help lessen the suffering of the most disadvantaged of the world? There's a lot of cool things we can do if we choose to. And so I think that was the biggest eye-opener for me is just that living abroad op- like just opened my eyes basically to think that everything i thought and never questioned was completely false basically it was just a is just a hollywood fabrication like the idea that you have to have a fancy car and a big house and drink wine at your fancy dinner table in 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 suburbs right like all that idea is is a complete hollywood fabrication that we know ne- we never question and you find is there a lot of that in, in japan as well um, well, Japan is very different because Japan, like, um, for example, people, family is very important. For example, it's, it's, it's quite normal to live with your parents even after you get married and have children. So you can have three or four generations living in the same house, right? And so in the West, that's thought to be like a bad thing. Living with your parents is a bad thing. But actually, it's a positive thing in, in, in Japan, in Asia, many countries in Asia, because actually you have different generations that raise the children. Families are much closer. And um, there's less health care costs. There's less kind of like old care, pen, old care, old age pensions and things like that because it's all within the family. The family has more responsibility to do those things. So Japan is a very modern, consumer-focused culture. But at the same time, it has it's very appreciative of, of international culture. For example, like 
all films, virtually all films, are in are dubbed in their original language. So you have to read films. Like almost every film is a foreign film in Japan, and they come from all over the world, whether they're French or 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 German or or English or Hollywood movies. So it's like Japan is like the most culturally rich country to me. And so it's 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 very different. Japan is one of my favorite countries in the world, definitely, but it's a little expensive though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I've been there. I was only there for a week and a half, and it was it was a pretty amazing place. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder what uh, what would you say have been some of like the biggest challenges of living an unconventional life? Um, the biggest challenges. I don't honestly. I don't think it's so difficult. Like people make it. Like if you think like you're going to the other side of the world. Oh no, is there, there's going to be terrorists there. There's going. I'm going to be bombed. Are they going to have food? Right? Am I going to be up to go to a dentist? Right? You you have all those worries. But like the rest of the world are people too. Right? It's not like only America and Canada are the only two developed countries in the world. Right? People have a very limited view of what the world is. It's it's easier than ever. You can get a ticket to Thailand for a thousand bucks now if you buy it at the right time, right? And you can arrive there with almost no money and, and live for a thousand dollars a month. It's it's not a difficult thing to do. I don't know, like um, people always ask me questions like, um, oh, I want to go to Thailand. Like, uh, how can I buy a plane ticket and where can I stay and what can I do? Like, it's like there's an internet. Like, it's pretty easy to find this kind of stuff. When I first started traveling, they, you couldn't research this stuff because it wasn't available online and and all these hotels and guest house didn't have information, but like um, everything is there. It's easier than ever. I don't I don't know what all the fuss is actually. It's, if you want to do it, just do it, right? I I don't know. Maybe I've been doing it for the last whatever, sixteen or seventeen years. But it's like for me, it's like I don't do any planning when I go to a foreign country or anything like that. You buy a plane ticket and you show and you you stay in a guest house or hotel for a few days and then you find a apartment after that it's it's not rocket science it's pretty easy there's craigslist for every city in the world there's couch surfing that lets you connect with locals as soon as you arrive and there's facebook groups and there's bloggers that are in the different cities it's very very easy to connect and learn about every city and get set up in basically any city in the world now it's like i don't think there are any barriers it's like um it's it's it was it's more it's easier for me to go from calgary to thailand than it was for my grandmother when she was a child to to travel a hundred miles. Yeah, that's the that's that's the magnitude of change for her to travel a hundred miles would have been by horseback and it would have been a major thing that would take like a week to do, and she would have to go to a train station some thirty miles away and the train would take her and she'd have to transfer and she wouldn't know anyone and it would be she'd have to bring lunch and food with her because she wouldn't know where to buy food now all that stuff is is you can get toothpaste and and toilet paper in thailand just like you can in calgary right it's it's not that difficult it always makes you wonder about like the uh you know like like the asians who walked over to canada like three thousand years ago or or the uh the people from africa (laughs) when they left the continent and traveled around the world like to, to put it in perspective, like my father escaped from communist Hungary in the revolution in 1956. So he left his family with no, he just wrote a letter. He didn't want to tell anyone because they, they would stop him from going, of course, right? So without telling his family, with no money, with only an, one change of clothes and a piece of bread and a little piece of meat, he got on the back of a truck with like four or five friends and and crawled across like fields into Austria to scrape across the, to escape across the border, 
And in Austria, went to kind of a refugee camp where they kind of um, got him to Italy. And then from Italy, he worked for a while to save enough money to get on a ship to take him to Canada. And then from when he got to Canada, he had to take a train to get into, um, to come into the middle of Alberta and start with no English skills, starting a job as, as kind of an immigrant refugee and starting from, with, with starting from zero. Compare, compare that to like um, a Canadian or American university graduate that can research where they're going to stay, the guest house they're going to stay and book their guest house in Bali before they go. And they can buy a ticket for like two weeks salary and, and, and get a visa in advance and get everything organized and then hop on a plane and then make money online through freelance consulting on, on or freelance work and get money paid by PayPal into their bank account back home in their home city. It's like, there's no comparison. This is, we live in great, great times. The opportunities are there. You just have to decide to go and do it. It makes you wonder what will happen in 10 years. Exactly. Like that's what I say. These are very, very exciting times. Like we haven't even seen the kind of level of changes that are coming. Like what happens when like the singularity comes and, and like computer technology actually gets smarter than humans and, and it it starts solving social problems for us on its own, or um, we get ubiquitous free energy. Basically, when 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 um, new nuclear plants they they burn the waste of of the old nuclear power plants, or we get social uh, or um, solar power that's that's cheap and abundant and we don't have to worry about fossil fuels anymore like once those things come it's like already we live in a great time of mass abundance i think another two decades and it's going to be a different world we just have to survive that long for for those changes to come and it's a little scary maybe we won't who knows we just have to be smart enough to kind of just know we have a good thing and just and and keep pushing towards the good thing good technologies that are on the horizon absolutely so what would you say then some of the biggest uh positive aspects of living an unconventional life um like i said it's just like culturally culturally wise like asia like south america culturally every country europe even europe especially europe culturally it's so much more advanced than than american canada like um the american system of like the mass corporation and franchise chains and and like productivity and growth at all costs has destroyed community and culture going to a place like for example like like my one of my favorite cities is chiang mai in thailand and when you're walking around the street you see the local leather maker that's like making leather goods and you pass by the shoe repair guy on the street that's fixing shoe repair shoes every day and you say hello to them and you go to your local restaurant where the owner is working behind the counter like chopping fresh vegetables and and real food and making delicious tasty dishes for very inexpensive prices right you go to a cafe where the owner is in the cafe it's not a big franchise chain it's like the owner is there and remembers your name and cares about doing great service for you right and and just like people go out every single night and you meet people on the street and they have all the kiosks and food places food stalls on the street where you just it's just so lively just the culture is so rich and like um in in modern society what do we do we build shopping malls with franchise stores and, and we build strip malls with big concrete jungles and everybody drives in their car and they don't talk to their neighbors and we have these massive suburban areas where people don't know their their neighbors it's it's like in, insanity like the the um the western business model is is just stupid but like and that and that's what i love most of all is just like there's such a rich culture in the rest of the world and and unfortunately 
they think that the American model is the best one, and they're and they're building the shopping malls and all the garbage that comes along with that, right? Yeah, it's unfortunate for sure. Yeah, and so like it's just like you have to experience what you can and just try to find those kind of smaller, quieter places or or create them ourselves, right? And just um, stop shopping in those those chain stores and stop stop shopping in those chain restaurants and stop eating processed garbage food and go visit your local grocer and go visit your local shop and things like that we need to care about our local businesses otherwise we're all going to be shopping and working in walmarts in the future yeah no, it's it's amazing how little i've people i've known like in my own neighborhoods right in, in the suburbs yeah and uh but, and it is too bad that 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 we're looked at as like the ideal model hopefully it changes it is, it is changing. I hope it's changing. But like, yeah, it's insane. Like you see, like even in Thailand, how like it's developing so rapidly. Everybody's buying cars. Everybody's using iPads and they got their iPhones and their, and like even Chiang Mai, like the massive shopping malls that are opening everywhere. Bangkok is crazy. Like all this, it's great yeah. to modernize, but like, um, do you want, do you want everybody to be spending all their free time in shopping malls? Is that what culture is? Is that the, the pinnacle of human civilization is shopping and yeah. consumption. I guess that it's, was one of the only things I didn't like when I was in Malaysia. And, and by Malaysia, I was in, uh, I went to university um, in Penang. And that's kind of like a bustling metropolis island. But it, there was a few times I asked like some of the, the Muslim students, I was like, I'd like to kind of like meet more people here that are local. So can I maybe organize some kind of a party or, or what do you guys do? on the weekends and they were like well most malaysians just go to the shopping mall yeah because it's like really air conditioned and fancy. Yeah. It's, it's fancier than our malls yeah but it's just like what like yeah. that's all you do for your weekends and at the same time i like shopping malls in asia too because they are air conditioned they're clean <laughs> they're modern right yeah. you don't have to go buy anything there but like they have like inexpensive food courts with great fresh food it's like yeah, food true. courts in asia are very different than food courts in canada canadian food courts it's all processed garbage food but in food courts in Asia, it's actually freshly cooked food that's really cheap. So I do like the shopping malls, and I do appreciate the modernity of, of things. Like, it's great that we're, we have great air travel and great train systems and great technology and computers and iPhones and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, we, we need to kind of pay attention to what's most important and just spend time with, with friends and family and community and just get together for the sake of getting together. That's what I always say. It's like human connection is valuable in and of itself we have to preserve that yeah absolutely and i wanted to ask you too kev since we both come from calgary and it's like such a you know oil rich city very corporate i'm just wondering like with 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 that kind of a mindset like the unconventional mindset type thing do you find it kind of difficult to live here half the year or when you're here well, like, let, let me say one thing. Canada is a great country, right? In Alberta, we have free health care, first of all, right? Free health care. Like, Americans eat that, right? That is that a country that can provide free health care for citizens. That is a very good thing. So, And we have clean air. We have beautiful scenery. The mountains are nearby. So there are many beautiful things here. The problem is that, like, um, there's so much money here that we've gone got so commercial so fast. Like we have so many suburbs and so many strip malls and so many Walmarts and so many giant superstores and all that kind of stuff. And and you kind of lose. It's it's it, it's changing. Like if you go to the downtown core, there's we have urban gardens and we have like local meetups and kind of people that are bringing local produce in and, and trying to support local businesses. So it's we're having that change because we're, people are starting to see that the, the suburban 
kind of model of growth is not a very healthy one, right? You don't want to be like commuting to work for an hour each day. It's just insane, like what we've been doing. But it's changing. But at the same time, like Calgary is a pretty difficult city to live in because just it's just culturally poor still right now. Mm-hmm. It's changing. Like if you if, if you're in the downtown core, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. But if you're outside of that core, there's nothing here. Like the, in the suburbs where where I'm staying now, it's like um, it's like all the cafes are 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 generic um, franchise cafes where staff don't care about anything and and it's just like they don't wipe the tables they don't clean the floors it's just like um there's mcdonald's and 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 tim hortons it's like everything i hate about canada is 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 what this suburb is right but like it is canada is a great country I, i will say that it's a safe secure clean very natural country so i want i i do love this country and i think it's a great country but at the same time I hope Calgary wakes up a little bit before we we um, pave the whole city over. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And uh, just, um, just, I guess the last question for tonight, I just want to ask you, like, what advice would you give to someone who's listening to this interview and they're just like, you know, they're craving to do something really different with their life, but they're scared. I don't know, maybe they're held back by some limiting beliefs or something like that. Well, I think the the number one thing is like, we all get locked into this mindset that we have to consume to be successful. We have to buy a house. We have to buy a car. We have to wear nice clothes. We have to upgrade our smartphones every six months. We have to have the latest technology. We have to go to the fanciest restaurants. We have to drink expensive wine. And if you follow that path, you're going to be permanently indebted. Basically, it's going to be your whatever income you make, your lifestyle is going to inflate to that level. So that lifestyle inflation is always going to suck up all your income and you're never going to have the freedom to do the stuff you most want to do. If you really care about doing good, better, bigger things in the world, then stop that stupid consumption. Basically, that's it. Like you, Every single one of us, Like if you have to move back home, what's wrong with living at home for a couple of years and saving some money, right? Get closer to your family. Like, get, accept that. Who cares what your peers say or what society says? Get rid of your car. Your car is probably costing you six or seven hundred dollars a month. Get rid of the car, right? Don't get an apartment and buy all the furniture and stuff like that. Downsize. Save money. It's not. If you're living in Calgary, you could save twenty or thirty grand a year on even just a normal salary here, if you wanted to. And if you have to work a little extra hours, it's very, very easy to save money in the city because salaries are so high, right? And just, yeah. just if if you don't go out to, to expensive restaurants, you don't spend any money, right? Cook your own food, eat healthy food, and then with thirty or forty thousand dollars in your in your bank account, you have a lot of freedom to do whatever you want for the next couple of years. And so, you have one life, right? And and like um, each day you're not you don't spend doing what you want to do is another day of regrets you're going to have at the end of your life, right? So, the the number one thing I can say things just like live a life of experience, not of regrets, right? You, you can like um all those things you wanted to do ten years ago and you didn't do. How does that make you feel now, right? Do you want to be in that same situation in another decade, right? It's it's a pretty simple prospect, right? And like I'm saying, we have more opportunities. If you want to write a book, if you want to make a movie, if you want to start a blog, if you want to be a photographer or whatever, you don't need someone to give you permission to do that. You don't need to make a lot of money. You can go out and do that stuff, right? Start a band or or start a blog or start a, write a book or travel the world or start a nonprofit, hold a conference, whatever it is you want to do. It All you need to do is get out there and do it. It doesn't cost any money. Setting up a website costs you like $10 domain name and, and $5 a month of hosting. All the barriers to entry for anything we want to do in life are basically gone. 
And so the the only thing holding you back is that stupid TV set where you go and you turn on the TV set for four hours every day after work and you veg out on the sofa eating potato chips. That's the only barrier to success nowadays. If you want to do anything you want to do, it's easier than ever. It's just a matter of having the will to go out and do it. Yeah, it's true. It's amazing how how much like the power of the internet has brought on for us. And it's made when you when you mentioned about uh, staying with family and taking the chance to get to know them if that's what you need to do. Uh, it just kind of it reminds me my my fiance is from Mexico, and uh, she always she found it so strange that like in Mexico City like when you have a family party like it's a family there's like fifty people maybe a yeah. hundred people like everyone is still there and and she she just found it amazed I don't know if everyone's like this but most people I know their family lives I don't know everyone just starts moving all over the place and they're all over Canada and you maybe see them a week or two a year and she she. she she couldn't believe that in her place. So it's, it's and, and just I a agree. different culture. Yeah, like even like in like my because my father was Hungarian, so we have lots of family in Hungary, and we go there often. But like like for example, the difference between a Hungarian wedding and a Canadian wedding are, are very very different, right? Like um, it's it's typical now. You you take your um you, the wedding party and go to Las Vegas or the Bahamas, and so you get like ten or fifteen people, and and everybody spends like two thousand dollars to go to this really expensive this expensive wedding and you're having a you're basically probably going into debt for it or whatever a lot of people are and it's just like um many people say i don't want to go i don't want to spend that much money like like a wedding like a major life event and and people don't want to go but but like if you go to europe or like in in asia and things like a wedding is a major event like you have it in someone's house you bring a big tent and they they have like all the grandmas cook in the cooking tent and and everyone's drunk for like three days and then the whole town gets involved it's like it's it's like such a celebration and that's what i think life should be it's like it's not like this you you rent a hotel and you and you have to be cleared out by one o'clock because the liquor license is only till one o'clock and everybody has to um be sober by that time because everybody has to drive home or take taxis right it's like um that kind of um it's just like it's such a commercial such a uh, it's such a commercial society that we live in now that everything's a business and everything's a financial transaction but it's really about human connection and if you go to anywhere else in the world those human connections are so strong. It's just like, um, that's what I want. Like, I love it. Like when, when, like, for example, if, if people come to my house, I, I want them to get drunk and sleep over. Right. Yeah. If, if, like that to me is like good friendship. If, if they're willing to get drunk and pass out in my house, that's a great thing. Let's cook breakfast together in the morning. Right. That's a cool connection you have with someone. But like, in, like how many people do that in, in Calgary? Right. It's like, Oh, I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to, get up and I got to do this and things like that. All the kids have to be in bed by seven. So we can't do this. Right, it's a long and everybody, drive. Yeah. And so like, it's, it's like, this is one life you have. And like people don't even spend time. I, I see people more often when I'm in, in Thailand or living abroad than I do when I live in Calgary for a few months of the year, because people are too busy to meet and they have too many obligations and they, they don't make the time for the things that are most important. I think. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, John, it's been an amazing interview. Some great insight, I think, for everyone listening. And I hope so. Just, I, I talk, talk a little fast. Hopefully you can understand <laughs> what I said. <laughs> I'll slow it down in the editing. Eh? Like okay, yeah. Play it at half speed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's been awesome, though. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's so great to get, like, um, for these interviews, like, it's just, for me, I really wanted to get away from focusing only on online business and marketing and, and, and really more on the lifestyle change. 
Well, let me like one thing for me that's been a real eye opener for me. Like, um, I'll just I'll finish off with one more idea here. Like, if you go like in, in Thailand, like like uh, if you look in the northern hill tribe villages of Thailand, there are people, there are families that can live on twenty or thirty dollars a month. Right, they have a very, very poor existence. There's children being sold into to sex slavery from Laos and 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 like and and Burma and, and Myanmar, and so like if you put those things in perspective, like what do we want to be spending our lives doing? Right, do we want to be selling like designer high heels to make Western women feel better about themselves, or do we want to be solving social problems so like children are not being sold into slavery? Right, it's just like um. Like, online businesses, is like most people, the businesses they're starting is stupid. It's like they're, they're selling overpriced ebooks and, and building niche sites or affiliate marketing to, to bring more spam into the world, basically. Like, wouldn't it be cool if, if, uh, if like, maybe 5% more people or 10% more people actually were striving to solve some of these major social issues in the world? Like, there's people that are just, just like, to me, like, it's it's atrocious that, children are being sold into sexual slavery for like for like 20 or 30 dollars a month mm -hmm. something what, what what a normal person will spend in a bar in in on Kaosan road in an evening right that is enough money to, to to give to a family so that they they don't sell their child into sexual slavery yeah it's crazy actually it reminded me of uh the umbrella foundation you heard of them i, I don't know no they're in nepal and uh, I was in introduced to them and been wanting to do an interview with them because, I mean, you always hear of sex I mean, it's all over the world, human trafficking, I guess. But I was always under the impression that it was very heavily like South America. But he said in Nepal, they actually get people who've left Nepal or from the villages and they've, I don't know, they look like they've been successful when they come back. So they like, they actually get the family to pay them to take their kid and put them in school and then they never see their kid again. Yeah. So it's even like a double whammy. Like they lose all their money and they lose their kid. Yeah, no, so and like it's, it's yeah, and it happens in Africa too. I like I had an African friend too that they had like um this it's the the poorest kind of um least aware people that are easiest to be taken advantage of like that. Even like just like I'm um, smuggling people across the border for in the hopes of getting a job in in Thailand, for example, right? These these like um Burma refugees. Burmese refugees that come into Thailand, they're making like a dollar or two dollars a day doing construction work with no safety equipment and really dangerous work, and they're always in fear of being imprisoned, right? For like a dollar a day, working like ten hours a day, it's like it's it's insane how abused these people are, and it's and it's just it's it's like ridiculous. Like there's so much that can be done on on such a small scale. Like imagine like giving that person like a five dollar a day income, doing some meaningful work. Right, that would transform their life, and so like, and and so like, that's what that's what I want to do with my life. I'm, I want to try to do more of that kind of work rather than all the stupid online businesses that everybody seems to be focused on. And it's amazing too, because like the people that you meet over there, like it just in, in in this example, like in Myanmar, in Myanmar, whatever. And uh, I just thought like they're they're so amazing, like so friendly, so accommodating. Yeah, and I just remember when I I sat down at nighttime with these these kids playing guitar and just like trying to get to know them. And I don't have any other language, and they have have little English, but they a few of them had left and they came back with beer, and it was like just just two big bottles, right? 
and I don't know what it costs them, but for me to buy them there is like two dollars a beer. Like it's pretty expensive for their country. And, yeah. Um, and they they gave me my own, and they shared one between all of them. Yeah. And I tried yeah. to like pay them back for it because I didn't want them to to go out of their way like that. But 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 they wouldn't accept it. And that probably costed them like a day's wage just to buy me. Yeah. yeah, and like, and just like the poorest people in the world are always the most generous. You get a, like a rich a rich Westerner and like give ten dollars to a to to a, a cause abroad. It's like a very difficult thing to do. But ten dollars to someone making five thousand dollars a month is zero, right? Yeah, but that that two dollar beer to somebody making like thirty dollars a month that might be ten percent of their monthly income, right? For for a single beer just to kind of make you like that's a massive thing. Imagine if we all gave ten percent of our income to 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 easing their suffering a little bit. Like all those problems could be could be solved almost instantaneously. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, John. Well, yeah, it was it was an amazing interview for sure. It'll actually be live on Thursday. All right. <laughs> And for well, everyone you, listening in, um, where's the, the best place they can reach you? Um, well, Jet Set Citizen is my main blog, so you can email me at john at Jet Set Citizen. But um, hopefully that'll I'm, I'm hoping to shift into a, a, a new site just to kind of – because most of my work now is like social good stuff. I, I don't think the digital nomad angle kind of reflects who I am. So hopefully you'll see a new site coming sometime soon. But Jet Set Citizen is still – the place now i guess All right, and i'll put some links to that up and maybe also to your the uh the group on facebook as well for for people interested in that or oh the um conference yeah well um you can you can link to the um the that conference if anybody's in calgary that want okay. to come but hopefully and if and anybody wants to hold those unconferences i'm encouraging people just to do it right it's you don't need any permission or anything like that like i'll help you and i'll show you what you need to do it'd be great if more of these un, the ultimate goal is to get these unconferences being held in different cities around the world and and like the one in calgary we're even fundraising for a couple of ch- local charities so um it is a good chance to do good in the community as well awesome all right, John. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll probably see you in a couple of weeks. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's the end of episode number eight with John Bardos. Um, totally different, I found, from the other interviews. Just really great insights into to world issues and things that we really should be concentrating on, especially especially as, uh, as lifestyle designers and, and also as online entrepreneurs. Like We have this opportunity to really make a difference in the world and travel at the same time. So it's just one of those uh, special interviews. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you do want to hear more from John, you can visit him at jetsetcitizen.com as well as unconferenceforsocialgood.com. And I'll have those links on the website as well. Uh, If you like the interview, I'd really appreciate a review on iTunes. And uh, please stop by livelimitless.net. You can leave some comments if you'd like to hear from John. I'll get him to answer all your, uh, your questions you have. And other than that, have yourself a great afternoon or evening, wherever it is, and we'll see you again next week.